Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to One Up, delivered through the AI channel. I'm your host, Guy Drinkle, and as ever, I'm joined by Carl Wilkinson. How are you doing, Carl? I'm good, Guy. How about yourself? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. So, on this show, we're going to do personal top tens, and uh, I think on this one we're going to do mine, and then on the next one we'll do Carl's. Um, but before we get to that, we'll get um, we'll do we'll do a bit of a news roundup, and Carl's. Thankfully, put together some notes for me, being the lazy host I am. Um, but we'll start off with the first news story here, Carl. Um, Sony addressing the crossplay controversy. Obviously, this is it, it's been highlighted by Sony's lack of willing to to work with other um, consoles, isn't it? I mean, Switch and Microsoft seem open to it. Microsoft, I mean, Xbox and PC is pretty much it's, it's obviously the same thing. But Sony have seemed to isolate themselves which is kind of understandable because they are the king of the console at the minute but they do seem to be be a bit more open with it with the with the new story you've put here aren't they yeah it does seem like maybe the the um i mean obviously there was a big backlash after um e3 particularly not not exactly in relation to the cross play but more so into the um cross-platform content with the Fortnite accounts. Like, I think it's once you use your your Fortnite account on the PlayStation, it's locked to that in terms of you, you can't suddenly log into the same Epic account on, on Microsoft or Switch, mm. meaning there were there were people who'd maybe spent hundreds of, of quid on, on content for Fortnite, and suddenly they tried to play it on their Switch and found... You can't, you have to start fresh, you know, which obviously they weren't happy with after their, um, investment. Now, I think I've, I've heard since that it, it comes down to, um, that there was a claim from a former Sony executive that it simply comes down to money. And I mm. believe that the thing, it's, it's roughly 20% of kind of the, the content sales would go to the platform holder. And obviously Sony aren't happy to get, 
to give up any ground on that to to their rivals. Um, but but this story certainly um, shows a, a bit of promise there. It is, comes from GameStop with uh, Kevin Knezovich, and I apologize if I um, <laughs> butchered his name there. But Kevin writes, during a Game Lab conference in Spain, Sony Interactive America president and CEO Sean Layden held a presentation on PlayStation's legacy. Following the presentation, Eurogamer asked Layden about Sony's controversial cross-play policy and whether the company would be open to allowing it in the future. Quote, we're hearing it, said Layden. We're looking at a lot of the possibilities, you can imagine that the circumstances around that affect a lot more than just one game. I'm confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community while at the same time supporting our business. End quote. While certainly not an outright confirmation that Sony will start to allow crossplay between PS4 and other platforms, it is more promising than the tepid response the company gave earlier this month, shortly after Fortnite launched on Switch. And that full story, of course, is available over on GameSpot's website. But yet it certainly seems like, you know, Sean Layden there, he's, he's actually fully acknowledging the backlash they've had since E3. Um, which it mean at least means they're starting to think of a way they they might be able to solve this issue and mm. make everyone a bit happier about their their Fortnite accounts and whatnot. Yeah, I mean it does sound a bit more promising. I mean, what what are your thoughts on crossplay? I mean, I think we don't really see it in A titles, do we? I mean, we don't see it in Call of Duty and fir- first person series probably the way. I imagine people who love crossplay or want crossplay probably want it to go, but we see it in games like Fortnite. I think Rocket League has it, but I think that's just between the PC and Xbox. Um, so, do, do you think crossplay could potentially get into these AA titles? Yeah, I, I can't see why not. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's worked really well with the likes of Rocket League and and Fortnite, with you know Xbox players can play with PC players, and now with Switch players, with in you know which which um, mm. and a lot of people take advantage of that. Um, uh, you know, I'm not really sure why Sony have been so reluctant up until now. They've used excuses such as like security and you know, but I, I, but. If if that was such a concern, why wouldn't Microsoft or um, Nintendo, especially Nintendo, being as reserved as they are, mm. why wouldn't they share that that issue? So I, I think it probably does come down to money. And you know, I've heard people say before, you know, Sony are holding their hope because they're top of the pile. That those few kids that maybe have an Xbox or whatever that their friends being on PlayStation will pressure them into getting an e- a PlayStation so they can play with them. But like I think that's kind of clutching at straws. I think if someone's going to get a PlayStation, they're, they're going to get a PlayStation yeah. for, for other reasons, you know. So I, I don't see why they'd be so resistant to it. And I, I think as a primary PlayStation holder, um, I'd really love crossplay so that I could could play. Sure, we we've we've had our own experience of it lately on our WhatsApp group trying to sort out some play, and it's like that you know these people are on PlayStation, these people are on Xbox. Crossplay is not possible. How, how do we get a game going? You know, <laughs> um, so it would be helpful for those situations. Like so, hopefully. Um, what Sean Layden has said uh, means that PlayStation are seriously considering kind of giving up and saying, you know, look, we we were waving their hands and we we were wrong. Crossplay is cool and and getting it sorted because I, I don't think that there's. I mean, Epic have said flat out before they could 
flick a switch and Xbox players could play with PlayStation players. It's that simple. So what do you think, Kyle? Like as a, an Xbox, primary Xbox player, you know, would, would it be useful to, to you to be able to, to play with Sony players easily? Um, probably not useful because not many of my mates, most of my, I think pretty much all my mates are on Xbox. That, that's just the way it is. Um, Xbox seems to be the console of choice uh, around here for some reason. Might, might be the only place in the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in general, I think it's very useful, isn't it? I mean, even if it's just PC because um, they get called the Master Race and all that stuff. But if they're mates with casual gamers and want to play something... I mean, especially with Xbox, and I'm not sure how easy it is with PlayStation, but to connect to connect with Xbox mates and um, PC mates, it seems so easy now. You just open up the Xbox app, and um, then you can just chat as if you're in a party, like on Xbox, so it's pretty easy that way. Or if not, you just use a, another party app kind of thing that you can obviously find on the internet. So it's, it's, it just seems so easy to connect, um, especially at Xbox, and... Um, a computer, but obviously being Microsoft, you'd expect that to be easy. But if Switch, um, Switch is Nintendo's always going to be the small dog in this fight, isn't it? Let's be honest. So I think their their openness to it, I think you can understand it because they just kind of want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say milk the other people, the other two's reputation because they're not doing that. Nintendo's got its own hardcore fan base, but I think to connect the wide world of gaming, I think Nintendo have to do it, but. So I, I don't I don't see what damage it would do to Sony because I, it this sort of stuff isn't what's going to convince people to get an Xbox or a, or a PlayStation. It's going to be your exclusives, your controller, where your mates play and stuff like that. So I don't think crossplay is going to affect it that much. So it ju- it just seems weird reluctance for no reason for me, but uh, it, it's promising and I think it's just adds to the adds to the player pool, isn't it? Because I mean. Rocket League's probably where I've, I've experienced, and you can kind of, well, you can tell just by the names alone who's playing on PC and stuff like that, and I'm not sure how big a difference it makes in a game like Rocket League, but I imagine on the shooter games it can make a big difference with the mouse and keyboard, so it'll be quite interesting to see skill levels change and consoles change and stuff like that. So it is interesting. <clears throat> so, we may as well move on to the next news story then. I mean, this one's been kind of going on for a while and it, it just seems a bit nonsensical to begin with so PUBG have dropped um, the Fortnite copyright lawsuit because well the, the grounds for it seems stupid um, as the battle ends in a draw so was this just PUBG getting a bit bitter in your opinion because Fortnite kind of well it stole pretty much all of PUBG's thunder especially when on console I never really understood it, to, to, to be honest. I mean, I, I think it there's certainly, I think it does come down to bitterness because, uh, as you say, like, it's just totally Fortnite, once they launched their mode, pe- people at first were like, oh, no, it'll be nothing, you know, PUBG's the original, but Fortnite just did it so much more polished, and, you know, of course, they were always going to because, you know, it was coming from Epic, who are, you know, veterans in, in the, the yeah. shooter genre, but um they they just did it so much better and they've they've just gone from strength to strength and while PUBG has kind of waned a bit you know people people didn't like the new map people didn't like some of the new modes and it just it has a train, really, train crash on console as well absolutely horrendous <laughs> so so i've heard 
So I, I think I think that just that just comes down to it. But like as for the actual grounds for the the legal action and for the complaints and the threats and all that, I don't think there really is anything. I mean, like you, you, I don't think you can trademark a game mode, and and that's what this is at the end of the day. It's not like team deathmatch, you know, or or domination or it's basically just free for all isn't it that's the thing whoever first came up with free for all could just go you're chatting shit i made this <laughs> yeah like it, it's 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 just a single re or no respawn like survival mode i mean i, I was Very playing nice. modes like that back in rainbow six back mm. you know years and years ago like so uh, and the, the whole idea of a a battle royale anyway comes from you know that I think it was it originally a book or a movie the the Japanese the book, the, movie the, the, uh, the film rings a bell yeah I'm not sure about books, yeah so everything uh, originates from a book doesn't it <laughs> exactly yeah, so I I think they should be suing PUBG if so you know so I I just always thought it was a bit nonsensical I never really thought um this this lawsuit was was gonna go anywhere but. I mean, the, the, the story here is it comes from The Verge, Tom Warren and Tom Wright's Korean company PUBG, a subsidiary of Bluehole, has dropped its lawsuit against Fortnite makers Epic Games. The PUBG owners originally filed a lawsuit earlier this year alleging copyright infringement against Epic Games. While PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds soared in popularity last year, Epic Games introduced its own Battle Royale mode in Fortnite with similar features all built on the same Unreal Engine 4 that was created and licensed by Epic Games. Bloomberg reports that the lawsuit has been dropped, but it's not clear why and whether there was any settlement between PUBG and Epic Games. PUBG developer Bluehole previously revealed it had growing concerns about the similarities between the two games, and it's a battle that seemed to be boiling over into the courts with this lawsuit. Both Epic Games and PUBG developer Bluehole are part-owned by Tencent Holdings, and Tencent has reportedly been nearing a deal to increase its PUBG investment to 10%. While it's unlikely a copyright infringement accusation would complicate that deal, the lawsuit would be difficult to prove and win, particularly when Fortnite has copied PUBG's ideas and not necessarily its content. I mean, and, and that, that kind of sums it up. I mean, PUBG doesn't really have any original content. Mm. It's made using assets from the Unreal Engine store. And, like, it, it's tried to make out as if a frying pan as a weapon is, like, its original thing. Like, this big deal is yeah. made of the frying pan. But I'm pretty sure I've played games before where frying pans can be used as weapons. Couldn't, so, I'm pretty sure you could in Hitman, if I remember correctly. <laughs> probably. I think yeah. anything is a weapon to, to Agent 47. Yeah, pretty much. I think, well, PUBG's just, it's just an extension of armor, isn't it? That, that's, that's the thing. It's just, it started off as a mod, not a game, and then just, fortunately for them, it's just, kind of blossomed into the mega thing it was on PC, but it struggled on console, as I've said. Um, but we'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, so we'll, we'll get on with the rest of the news quickly. I mean, there is one that's quite more debatable than this, but um, PlayStation Plus free games for July revealed. Heavy Rain, Observer, Black Ops 3, Rayman, Deception 4, um, Space Overlords, which is PS Vita, um, and Zero Escape, Zero Time Dilemma, which is also PS Vita. I mean, anything you're going to pick up there? Um, actually, there's there's some games they actually already own, like Heavy Rain, but it is an X. That's probably the highlight of of the month. Um, 
you know, that's a, a big title. I remember playing it back on the PlayStation 3, and I would urge anyone who hasn't played it to, to play it, because it, it's probably the high point um, for the Quantic Dream games. Um, I mean, it's just an excellent storytelling. Um, though sometimes the, the quick time events can be <laughs> a bit frustrating. Um, it's, I actually also own Zero Escape, Zero Time Dilemma. It's, it's a really good... Um, they call them visual novels, is it? You know, the the kind of, you know, that kind of story based game, but it, it's it's quite wow. dark. It's, it's cool, kind of Japanese animation. It's um, but outside that, you know, Rayman Three HD. I have a bit of nostalgia for Rayman Three. I remember renting that back in the day on the 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 PlayStation. So I, I might download that and and play it for an hour or so, just just for a little bit of of nostalgia, but. Overall, it's it's not a bad lineup if if you mm, have the platforms. You know, month, it's, yeah. it's we've seen some dire months where you're looking and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to play any of these games. But you know, you when you've got a a triple A title in there, it's it's always a good sign. So I'm sure there'll be something for for people um there to to pick up this month. And um, so k- kudos to to Sony for a strong month. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's looking a lot stronger than uh, Xboxes, admittedly. But we did have Metal Gear Solid Five the other month, um, so I can't get an, I can't get a, a big game every month, I suppose. But Xbox um, Games with Gold, I should say, is Assault Android Cactus. I mean, yep. <laughs> Death Squared, Virtua Fighter Five Final Showdown, which is a backwards compatibility, and the other backwards compatibility is Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Conviction, which I might pick up there because I've never really played. Uh, yeah, we we, we actually talked a bit mm. about that. I remember on the E3 preview, and as I said, that I I played that game religiously. Like I did everything that was possible to do in that game. Like it, it's so good. Like I, I think the best is the kind of I forget what I. It's I'm gonna say terrorist hunt, but I don't think that's correct. I think that's what they were called on Rainbow Six. But basically, yeah. where you just have to go in and clear an area out of like terrorists, and it's just so cool. Like you know, hanging from the ceiling, sneaking mm-hmm. around, headshotting guys, hiding their bodies. It's ah, uh, it's that that game's excellent. Like I, I would urge you and anyone else to to give that a try when it it comes out then in in the latter half of the month. Um, outside that, I'm going to be honest I've never really been a Virtua Fighter fan I, I think it's kind of a poor fighter series if, if mm-hmm. you're going to play a 3D fighter go with Tekken or something yeah. uh, I have no idea what Assault Android nope. Cactus is okay. Death Square though I have heard that mentioned a lot like I'm, I'm you know I, I can't think what it is but I, I'm pretty sure it's it's um, popular enough Let's see if I can get a, just a Metacritic score up just out of, of interest um, seventy-eight percent. That's not too bad. That's decent. Uh, it's a cooperative puzzle game for one, two, or four players. So yeah, like a, that. That looks like so certainly, as I said, that's a game I've seen mentioned before, and pe- people seem to enjoy it. So that would might be one worth checking out for for the Xbox owners like yourself. Yeah, I'm, well, it, it's free. If it's free, I'll give anything a go. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, um, but this is probably the biggest news. I, I literally hadn't heard anything on this, but Google is planning a game platform that could take on Xbox and PlayStation. I mean, as everyone pretty much with an internet connection knows, 
once Google puts uh, their mind to something, they will run it. As as we know, Google now runs the internet, basically. I mean, does anyone use Bing? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, if Google are trying to dip their toe in, in, into the gaming industry, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because if they, if they put everything behind it, they could really take over the industry, under And there's only so much uh, loyal fan base can do to put off Google, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, Google, like, this has been something that's been brewing for so long. Like, it feels like it's been years and years that we've been hearing that Google's planning to, to enter the industry. I mean, obviously they, they hired, um, only earlier this year, they hired Phil Harrison, who, um, of course, you, you'll know is like one of the top dogs at Microsoft. And also mm-hmm. then previous to that, he, he was similar at Sony, like he's, He's been well embedded in the industry, you know. He he knows his way around the place, so it's it's clear they've they've got ambitions. I mean, they they also rivaled Amazon for for buying uh, Twitch, mm. uh, and they own YouTube. And of course, gaming is is probably the biggest thing on YouTube. I yeah. mean, the the biggest YouTuber is a, a gamer. Um, PewDiePie, not not that I see where his popularity comes from, but that's a topic for another day. Yeah, but I don't um, want to be saying too much bad things about him because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's threaded ground. Yeah, but um, yeah, so like it it, it comes with no surprise, but we never heard anything too um solid on until now but um this, this story comes from Jason Schreier over at Kotaku, and of course he possibly has the best sources in the industry or at least he's one of the best sources so you know there, there probably is something to what he's heard but he writes in in recent months however the chatter about google has gotten louder at the game developers conference in march of this year google representatives met with several big video game companies to gauge interest in its streaming platform which is codenamed yeti sources said the existence of google's Google's Yeti was first reported by the website The Information earlier this year. Um, just an important point. Uh, Google also took meetings at E3 in Los Angeles a few weeks ago. Those sources said, and from what we've heard, the company is looking not just to woo game developers to the Yeti service, but to buy development studios entirely. So what is the streaming platform exactly? Like NVIDIA's GeForce Now, the Google service would offload the work of rendering graphics to beefy computers elsewhere, allowing even the cheapest PCs to play high-end games. The biggest advantage of streaming, as opposed to physical disks or downloads, is that it removes hardware barriers for games. Games like Call of Duty can reach a significantly bigger audience if players don't need an expensive graphics card or console to play them. As one person familiar with Yeti described it, imagine playing The Witcher 3 within a tab on Google Chrome. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Or sounds too much like the promise of other streaming platforms like OnLive, which fail because of lag and video compression that reduce quality. Many of the rumors we've heard need to be presented with some skepticism until we actually see them in action. One pie-in-the-sky idea I've heard floated, for example, is heavy integration between Yeti and the Google-owned YouTube. Imagine you're playing a game and you run into a tricky boss or don't know how to solve a puzzle. Instead of opening up your laptop or checking your phone for a guide, you can press a button to activate an overlay on your screen that queues up a YouTube walkthrough of the game you're playing. 
Whispers have been quieter about Google's hardware, whatever that might look like, but the rumors we've heard suggest that it will link up with the streaming service in some way. We're not sure whether Google is looking to compete with the technical specs of the next PlayStation and Xbox or whether this Google console will be cheaper and low-end, relying on the streaming service to pull weight. And the full article is available over on, on Kotaku. And, you know, that, that, that kind of, it's just kind of further on what, what we've heard before that they, mm. they, they want to bring out a box and they want to bring out a, a streaming service. You know, I'd, I'd, as Jason seems to be in his article there, I, I would be a little bit skeptical of, of streaming service because I, I don't know, did you ever try on live back in the day? No, not really. I've, I've always just, just been console really. I've never really seen the, uh, with the way that Steam is, I mean, you can get a PC game for however much, and it's just the fact if you don't have the hardware, I don't see, I don't see the point of being a, a PC gamer. So streaming services have never really done it for me. So yeah, if that if that's the route Google are going to go, uh, I'm not sure how big a threat it will be to Xbox and uh, Sony. Um, so yeah, it, it does seem a bit. Uh, Wishful thinking, I suppose, if that's the right way to put it. But um, yeah, what 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 do you what do you reckon? I mean, what was it the one the name Nvidia or whatever it was? Have you have you had experience with streaming services like that? No, I, I haven't used the the is it a Nvidia GeForce now? I did try on live back in the day. I actually played like a trial of the first Witcher game on it, and I mean it it was okay, but the, there are kind of lag spikes and. The, the compression wasn't great, and I think that's ultimately why on live went down the, the the Swanee really, and why they're not around nowadays. I mean, obviously Sony have tried it with um, PlayStation Now uh, after they bought Gakai, but it, it looks like that hasn't really worked out because there's actually rumors, and um, it wasn't in the news this week. I think it was last week, but that Sony are considering making PlayStation Now titles downloadable, so that if you have a PlayStation Now uh, subscription, you can download the titles and save them to your hard drive, um, rather than streaming them to your console, which obviously would sue people with with kind of less consistent internet connections. But but that would kind of suggest to me, I mean, it's basically like they're kind of copying Game Pass from Xbox and with that, and that would suggest to me obviously that the streaming service is is improving that popular. You know, like I think it's certainly a concept that could work. But I think it's going to take some more time because, let's be honest, we both live in in kind of areas where internet speeds are high. But there's, there's a lot of countries worldwide, and even areas within countries. I mean, there's parts of Ireland where um, you, you're almost still on dial-up speeds, you know. So, um, oh yeah, I've, I've only had I haven't had HD for that long. Um, to be honest, not HD, but fiber optic uh, for that long, in, in, even in my area. So it's. Uh, it's weird. Like I, I, I can only. I think it was only Virgin Media who did it for a few years. It's only Sky and BT who recently have put it in. So, it. I think, as you said, streaming services. It's so dependent on the uh, infrastructure of, of internet speeds and stuff like that. I mean, I Ireland has some dead zones. I mean, even even Britain has some dead zones. I think Cumbria. Um, isn't isn't that great for it and stuff like that? So and that that's two very very first world countries. I mean, the, the world of gaming is meant to be 
accessible for everyone, isn't it? And if, if you don't have a, a, a good enough internet speed, it, it, it just screws you. So, mm. do you yeah. think Google? Do you think Google have just are just scared of making just a basically a console? Do you think that? Because I mean, there's been rumours of Apple going in, getting into the gaming industry as well, isn't? It? Do you think people are just put off by getting into this new venture because, well, it is dominated by two two companies and maybe three if you count Nintendo as well, but it is just dominated by three companies, isn't it? Yeah, I I think that's that's the thing. Like, cause there there isn't room for that many platforms, mm. and like we've seen people try and enter the fray and fail, and we've seen some companies that that were around originally, like Sega and Atari, and yeah. you know that they they've just gone the the way of the dodo, as they say, and um, so I think it is a difficult um kind of industry to enter and. That's why I think when you hear about an Amazon or a Google trying, they, they always seem to have like an angle, like, oh, our box is also like a media box or, you know, that, that, that kind of thing, which I think ultimately doesn't really work either. But at the same time, Google and Amazon have so much money that they can literally try this venture. And if it fails, it fails. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing to them, you know, so. I mean, it, I, I don't think, obviously Google are taking it quite seriously with, with, uh, the way they're going about it. So it'll be interesting to see how it, it all works out. But for me personally, as I said, I'm, I'm just a little skeptical because of, of my past experiences with, uh, streaming services and also with, um, you know, just knowing that the, the way it's so reliant on internet in infrastructure and knowing how how some areas can struggle for that so i think i think it's definitely one to to just be keeping an eye on but i i wouldn't be um i wouldn't be running out to to get this google system when it first launches mm. that's for sure yeah absolutely and i mean everything's dependent on price and i think that's why the switch is kind of surviving because it's a bit cheaper isn't it <laughs> so yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to see how google and other big companies uh dip their toe in the gaming industry but shall we move on to the top 10 now carl yeah no i'm i'm ex- this is what i've been i've been looking forward to this all week i you know get getting to know the kind of gamer you are a bit better mm. So I'm going to hand over the hosting reins to you because this is this week it is my top 10. So here you go, your hosting debut. Let's crack on, shall we? All right. So um, how about, Guy, we just jump right into it and you start us off with your first game on your list. Right. So we weren't, well, you said originally don't do it numbered, but I have done it numbered, but do the order in any way you want. But uh at, at my number 10, I've got Bioshock Infinite. Good choice, good choice. Um, and, and why, why is, is Bioshock Infinite deserving of a place in your top 10, in your opinion, guy? Um, I play, I played Bioshock 1. Um, I got that as kind of a Christmas present. Um, I think the, I think the story with Bioshock 1 was Halo 3 was meant to be my Christmas present, but I think that came out like, in in like the early um, autumn, so that didn't get, that 
didn't stay closed till uh, till Christmas. <laughs> so I kind of got that. And I think my dad ended up getting me the Bioshock Special Edition for Christmas. And I, at first I was like, oh, that's probably not my cup of tea and stuff like that. And I think it ended up just gathering dust for a while. Um, but eventually one of me and my mate dug it out and we just kind of, we finished it like two times over Bioshock 1. Um, but I was probably a bit, not a bit too young, but a bit too stuck in the COD generation to appreciate Bioshock for what it was. So when Infinite came around, I was I was just I was probably in the right maturity to appreciate it a bit more and Infinite is such an absolute mind screw it, it deserves the swear word. It's an absolute mind fuck of a game. <laughs> the, <laughs> just the way the story develops and how it ends and if you haven't played this game, I mean, you don't ha- you don't have to play the first two to understand it. Um, I think that's the best thing about it. So I I, I haven't even played Bioshock Two, uh, which says it all really. Um, but Bioshock Infinite, it was it, it just got in my head like um, not many games do, and uh, it's such a an emotional story. And I think it's Elizabeth who the NPC is, um, who who the story. Uh, <sighs> goes on about and she's she's probably one of the best npc like sidekicks in in gaming history for me because it it just brings out emotion and everything and you get these little choices that don't seem to impact it that much but just little little story tweaks and i think it's just an absolutely brilliant game i mean have you had have you had um experience with the bioshock franchise yeah, I've I've actually played through and and finished all three games. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite modern game series, and um, I won't go too much into it because you know, <laughs> possible spoiler, maybe a Bioshock game might pop up in my top ten. But I mean, with with Infinite in in particular, you now I can only really echo what you've said. I mean, it it is the story is absolute crazy i mean especially towards the end just like the 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 twist in in the story and it's just like wow you know you know that uh that popular gif on on twitter where you have the the uh 11 out of um stranger things doing the mm. like mind it that that's that's just the best way it's, it's just like that's what a right. revelation um and you know just to, as you said elizabeth is is like a, a brilliant character and, and then even your playable character booker dewitt who I believe is voiced by Troy Baker. I think so. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just, oh, the the characters are just amazing. Like it's, it's that's an example of of how to write for for a video game, certainly. So uh, I think it's 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 a game that you couldn't question on on anyone's top ten list. So it's it's a uh, certainly um um I can appreciate you including it on yours. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant one. I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to do with the Bioshock franchise and where they go from it. But uh, yeah, that it's a, it's a special franchise and I'm surprised I haven't gone back and played um, number two, to be honest. But yeah, it, it, it's so good. It's uh, so good. Um, But number nine, Carl? Yeah, let's ne- t- t- keep going. Yeah, Neil kind of put, made me put it in my, my list from, from our WhatsApp group, that's Neil Devlin uh, I've completely forgot about it because I was focusing on console, I was looking when I was doing, making my decisions, I was looking through all my achievements from like Xbox 360 days and stuff like that and then he put his group, he put his list in the uh, in the WhatsApp group and it's Pokemon Red um, I had I had Pokemon Green somehow on, on disc um, it, was, it was in Japanese so I had no idea what was happening uh, I think I originally wanted Pokemon Blue, 
Um, but I think my family ended up getting Pokemon Red. On I had it. I had a Game Boy Advance, and it's it's just any. I think anyone who's in like their mid to late twenties played Pokemon as a kid, didn't they? I think that's I think that's the way to look at it. I mean, it it was the franchise. It, it was probably the biggest franchise of handheld gaming, and obviously coming from me, the late Game Boy generation, you're probably more of the Game Boy generation. It's just a special franchise for me. It's a uh, it just ate up the hours, and it's just an ease of access, and it's not it's not the most detailed like RPG, but to, to incorporate the Pokemon, the Pokemon franchise into such a simple and easy game, it's just it's just an absolute brilliant game, and uh, I think anyone our I think anyone similar age to us is probably going to have this in the top ten list. So I'm curious, well, like people tend to have different paths in, into Pokemon slightly, so it often overlaps. But like, what was your kind of what? How did you get into to Pokemon? I think it was the cartoon. I think it was. I, it's, it, I was probably that young, but I had I had all the I had all the, the trading cards and stuff like that. But the cartoon is what stuck out because I, I cartoon network generation, um, Nickelodeon. This was before Disney Channel and all that. And I think this that's where it was. Just Pokemon uh, cartoon. It was just on all the time, and it was so easy to watch. And when when I eventually got a Game Boy um, Advanced, uh, it. It was just, it was just natural. I, I also had silver as well, um, but for the original one, um, Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow. Uh, I don't like yellow. Uh, as I said in the WhatsApp group, I think Pikachu's a twat. <laughs> um, <laughs> Controversial yeah, opinions. That's yes, what we're known for. Yes, so yes. we have uh, at least one a week. <laughs> but no, I think it was the cartoon and then the trading card game as well, uh, which I was pretty shit at. I don't forget. I don't think anyone my age knew how to actually play it properly. Um, and then the Yu-Gi-Oh came along, and that's when I actually played games like that properly. But uh, no, the cartoon, the, the everything. It was just such a. It was such a complete universe, and you never—I don't think we've ever seen anything like it again. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh was big for a while, and then you had uh, a bit of Beyblade and stuff like that. But Pokémon—it's just one of them franchises that's kind of got Im- immortal status, hasn't it? But um, did you did you play Pokémon games when you were a kid? If so, what was your starter Pokémon? Yeah, um, I also had Pokémon Red first, and then I later got. Pokemon Yellow, and then I actually I actually played through Pokemon Silver in completely in Japanese. So funny you said you had Green in Japanese. I had a friend of mine uh, went to he's from Taiwan and he went home for the summer and he came back with a, a Japanese copy of Pokemon Silver. It hadn't actually released in the West yet, and I played through it using a he bought an American strategy guide because it was out in america by that point but it wasn't in europe yet and i got the, the strategy guide and used that to kind of cross-reference the items and stuff like that. i finished pokemon silver in japanese without knowing what the hell was going on but uh yeah no i always loved pokemon i mean the the i got into it through the same as yourself the, the cartoon i remember actually funny enough the episode um i remember i was going out with a, my mother and i stepped into the kitchen and my brother had came in from school and he's switching through the channels and he flicked on sky one there's pokemon it was the second episode it's probably one of the only episodes that stands in my head the one where mm. team rocket attacked the hospital and uh like i was just like what is this this is awesome these monsters these and then from that moment i wanted everything the cards the games the 
the books, the you name it, I I had it like so. I mean, I think as you say, like Pokemon is is synonymous with with people that kind of grew up when when we grew up. You know, from you know, if you're in your mid, as you said, to late twenties, you you probably played a Pokemon game, and if you didn't, I probably feel sorry for you. <laughs> oh god, yeah. I mean, imagine being a Digimon kid. Uh. <laughs> God. Um, and oh, you asked my starter Pokemon. I did. Uh, Charmander was oh. my, my generally my my starter Pokemon. Later on, though, I became associated with with water Pokemon, and I just every game we'd start me and my friends. I'd always pick the water Pokemon. But first time around, it was it was Charmander. I just I liked red. That's why I bought red version. So, how about you? Who's your starter? I... I, I'm kind of similar to you, apart from I, I had Bulbasaur as my original one, and I think the fact I couldn't get green, but I had played green, uh, I, I always liked uh, Bulbasaur in the cartoon and stuff like that. But similarly to you, as I have grew up, I kind of turned into a, a Squirtle starter, which I think that's just from in, immaturity, and Squirtle's kind of a funny name. <laughs> and I think that's <laughs> why it is. Uh, um, but no, I think Bulbasaur was the original one, um, and I think... I think that was probably because my brother was a Charmander starter, and I always thought my brother was a bit of a dick. <laughs> so I just wanted to be different. Um, so yeah, I've always been grass type and then water type as I grew up. Um, but this is the next one on my list here, Carl. is probably a bit controversial, a bit more personal compared to some of these. Army of Two. I did actually play that game. Yeah, yeah. It... It's probably one of the best co-op games I've ever played, and that's probably why I've got it here because I've spent so many hours, not just not just like online co-op, but it's proper split-screen stuff. I think this is probably one of the last games I've ever played where I had the split-screen experience, and I think that's why it's a special game to me, um, especially the first one, not not the second one, or not the Devil's Cartel one. I mean, anyone familiar with this franchise will probably get throw up a little when they hear the De- Devil's Cartel. Um, I, I played like the demo of it and I just went nope that's shit not playing that again um, but Army of Two it it kind of it introduced a proper proper good story into it into a, a third person shooter and um, the co-op experience it was just it was just so unique at that time I mean there was co-op games I mean you could play any first person shooter in co-op whether it's uh, Rainbow Chords uh, Halo, whatever, but Army of Two, it was it was built for co-op play. It'd have, I think it was back-to-back mode. It it was just mindless bullshit fun, and the fact you could make every every gun gold and take the piss, and it had a uh, a system to uh, get heat from the uh, get heat from the enemy and stuff like that, so you could customize your character. To one being the tank, which was obviously the the big bloke which was Tyson I think it was and the other one was Elliot um, that might be the other way around it has been quite a quite a few years since I played it but it, it, it just seemed it just seemed the perfect game to play with one of your mates and yeah it was just so special to me I mean you said you you played it did, did you enjoy it yeah I did actually I think I rented it I think it was like a week rental at the time and my friend and I we we played through it we we finished the story and then even after we finished I I brought it home and I was playing on my own with the the AI partner which isn't quite as satisfying but Mm -hmm. I kind of I just said, funny enough, you said the guns. Like I remember just playing to get all the the golden guns, and then like it's just it was just kind of fun just to be running around with all these blinged out guns. 
um it, it was a, a solid co-op shooter and i remember like what we had a lot of appreciation for was the fact it was a dedicated button to giving your partner props <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. what more can you have for for a, a co-op game and i think you you summed it up really well like a you know a game like that you can play with your your friend like a decent game and that you can play with a split screen with a friend can bridge the gap to like a brilliant game that that single player because i think that it's it's partly down to the experience you have with with the friend who in particular did did you play it with oh it was one of my mates i mean we kind of grew apart a bit but we can we do talk occasionally on facebook and stuff like that but i think he was called it was matty matty skiok um my mate um and he was he was the one I played Bioshock as well with actually, um, but yeah, me and him we we hammered the hell out of that game, and then well, then when Army of Two came out, I was playing with some of my more long term long term mates that I am still mates with now. So yeah, that that front of the first two games, so as I said, Devil's Cartel was horrendous, but the first two games it was just. Um, just it was just so good to have a cooperative game. I mean, some now it's all about online and stuff like that and i just like having that the co-op campaign kind of thing and uh yeah i, I would it'd be one of them franchises i wouldn't mind seeing back if they, if they did it properly and not an absolute mess um but what number am i up to i'm up to number seven and this is where the big hit has come out here carl gears of war one and this may seem a bit low but uh you'll probably understand why once again to the other games so Gears of War 1 for me was probably the first ever game that proper grabbed me before I even played it. Do you know when you see trailers now? Yeah. They're just a bit bland and stuff like that. And but Do, do you remember the Gears of War 1 advert where it had um, the Mad, Mad, Mad World? World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that... Arguably the, the the advert for a video game that sticks in my head the most. Like I, even as soon as you started saying it, like the, the trailer played in my head. Like. Yeah, yeah. That that's probably the best trailer, of, not just games but anything I've ever seen. It, it's it, I don't think any trailers ever grab or advert. It's not even a trailer; it's an advert. Grab me like that, and it, it just instantly made me want to play it. And I think it was I think it was a it was either a fifteen or eighteen. So fortunately, my family let me play it <laughs> on the down low. Um, but I mean, chainsaw and big lizardy mutant bastards. With Bender from Futurama, what else do you want? <laughs> it's, uh, it's such a brilliant game. Ah, uh, it really was. Like it, I mean, like uh, we, I think we we talked about that on the uh, back on the preview part. As as I said, Gears of War was the reason I went out and bought an Xbox when I was saving for a PS3 at the time, and I I don't regret it. Like uh, Gears of War was alone was enough reason to, to own an Xbox because it was just fantastic multiplayer and, and the single player campaign was a, a hell of a co-op ride as well. Like, so, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's almost a, the perfect shooter. If, if there is such a, such a thing, I can, I can, I can certainly see why, why you've included it on your list. Yeah. I mean, I think Halo dominated like Xbox original and that's what kind of started that but for Xbox 360 Gears of War was the one for me um, especially the first two uh, were just so so good I mean 3 was good but I, I, I had it spoiled for me so you know bastards <laughs> um, so yeah Gears of War 1 it was just it was just such a special game and it grabbed me and 
just the build the the um, the relationship between Marcus and Dom. It 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 was quite new for a shooter game for me anyway because I was I was obviously quite young to have that relationship of of friendship built up quite quickly and I think that's what I think that's what Four's doing a bit not as well because they're kind of just trying to rush a bit whereas two it was kind of so emotional so quickly it was just really good um and it as we said I think we said on the review on the preview and the review it 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 the need to save this franchise because especially on Microsoft's end it is one of the special ones I mean it's probably only second to Halo for me for Microsoft franchises so I hope they keep doing it justice but yeah Gears of War 1 it again similarly to Armia 2 co-op experience there it was just brilliant and probably a bit ahead of its time and it was such a goddamn pretty game for its time as well I mean chainsawing things in half with nice graphics, it was just like, yeah, yeah, this is good, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, and uh, I think I've mentioned number six here before in the pod with Bioshock, Halo Three, two of Microsoft's biggest franchises in a row, um, and I think I've got most of the shooters out of the way here. <laughs> yeah. um, but for any shooter to get on a top ten list is quite impressive. I mean. It, Cod almost got in there, um, and that was I think Cod was the only one I got in because it was a big part of my uh, teen years and stuff like that. But to, for for shooters to get in it, to, above like RPGs and other big games, it, it's just so impressive. But Halo Three, it, it was it was the pinnacle of the franchise. I mean, I really like Reach, but the Master Chief story needed to be in my list. That's why it's free over Reach for me. And three just had the best campaign. It probably had the best last mission in in gaming for me. I mean, there's there's good, awesome quests and stuff in in Oblivion and uh, Skyrim and The Witcher and stuff like that. But Halo 3's last mission for me, where I think everyone eventually found that talking grunt, <laughs> is um, it, it's just it's one of the best missions forever. And for for me, it's. Uh, the pinnacle of that franchise, and, and similarly to Gears of War One, they're not doing they're not doing the franchise what it was justice anymore, and it's kind of sad to see. But hopefully, Infinite uh, rekindles that. But we're not here to talk about that. But Halo Three for me, it was it was just absolutely perfect and had everything. It had everything. Um, Halo One aged a bit. Halo Two was great co-op experience, but I I don't know. I think pe- people see Halo Two as one of the best, but the story just wasn't the same to me. And I, I quite like the um, elites and stuff like that rather than uh, the brutes. So Halo 3 bringing that back and obviously being um, the Arbiter as well. I, I really like the elites, so playing as the Arbiter is quite cool for me. Um, so yeah, Halo 3. I mean, we talked about this franchise on the preview and review. Halo 3, is that is that your favourite Halo game? Um, that's a good question. I, I, it's definitely up there. I mean, funny as you've been talking there, it's kind of recollecting my experiences with Halo 3. And I remember I actually played through the campaign with three of my mates. We all went around and we, we just pulled an all nighter and, and played Halo 3. And we, we like, we collected all the skulls. We did everything. And I mean, it is like, it's, it is an, an excellent, game and i i think i then went on to to replay it myself with to to do it on legendary solo which is 
something like it was that was it was punishing to to play a halo game on legendary on your own but it was something i always made myself do with the the first few titles because it, it was such a, a sad it, it, you know that i love how halo does difficulty you know it's, it doesn't mm. feel like it's ever cheating you you feel like there's a way to beat every scenario and it's just on you to figure it out and and execute it and you got I, like, that I appreciate that back and be the spawn point that's how it is for co-op halo yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's that's pretty much how we used to do it i, I remember <laughs> the library i think was in halo one wasn't <laughs> oh, it God. one of the hardest levels ever and i just remember hanging back while my friend just ran around with a shotgun you know but um yeah no as you say like halo 3 the the story the the co-op experience the, the multiplayer online that's probably the halo game i spent the most time playing online um actually funny enough i used to play with a pro well who went on to be a pro i was in, in a clan with a guy and he, he went on to found a team uh that were like that for a while they were the strongest team in europe um and oh my god this guy you could basically put him up against 20 players and he beat them 1v20 like it was insane like but um like yeah i do have a lot of fun memories of, of halo 3 but it'll probably be close between that and two and re- reach for my favorite like i all three were were excellent absolutely absolutely i mean i think for me um i'm, go- I'm gonna sp- we're gonna spend time on halo because it's such a good franchise but for me reach had the best um pvp because just the customization and everything on it it kind of had the perfect blend of halo 3 system and then it had reach just adding that some people maybe said too much customization but i just loved it and especially having johnson's voice that was just fucking brilliant <laughs> um but no halo 3 was for me was the perfect blend and I, I couldn't leave master chief out on my list that's why it's free overreach for me um but number five on my list carl is probably the only modern game like last few years for me is witcher 3 um on this current gen of console this is probably the only one here that it makes it i think um so witcher 3 it's just it was such a special game i'm never it just grabbed my attention i mean i played witcher 2 a little bit and i, I didn't finish it it didn't grab me but witcher 3 it literally just consumed me and everything on it, it's probably, it's one of the best RPG games ever, and you can't really compare it to Bethesda titles and stuff like that, but in terms of gritty RPG, it is just absolute tops, it's just everything. It, the thing is, you didn't have to play Witcher 1 and didn't have to finish Witcher 2, you could feel the emotion between um, Yennefer, Geralt, Triss, um, just so, such a good cast and such good dynamics and such good game i need to go play it again and finish the dlc and that it, it's so good i mean did you did you play witcher i mean witcher 3 and did you play the other franchises other part of the franchise uh, yeah i played witcher 3 i actually finished it earlier this year like cause i remember i bought it when i got swept up in the hype but then i never yeah. got around to it but it, i finally picked it up th- this year and i i put in 170 hours and i completed that <laughs> in both the dlcs and like it, it really is one of those games that that you're you're kind of you're never really gonna forget it like it's it's one of those kind of classics like like bioshock or the last of us or you know it, it is just really good and and what the the part of it that probably stood out to me the most was the character of Geralt you know mm. with a lot of these big RPGs 
the developers are like, yeah, no, we don't want to take the risk of writing a character, so we'll just let you make your own character and make the mute and no personality or whatever. But like, here's Geralt, like, and and I know it's based on a book, and so therefore the character has to be one of the characters from the book. But at the same time, like, it's it's um, he's just he's such like an intriguing character. I mean, you, you can mm. really kind of relate to him. Like to look at him, you'd be like, Oh yeah, this guy's probably just your typical tough guy action. But, but there's a real kind of, he's very human girl. You know, there's, there's, um, he's meant to be emotionless. And that I think that makes him more emotional, doesn't it? Cause you can kind of put your own personal tweaks on Geralt where he's meant to be this emotionless monster slaying dude and but you can make him have love stories you can make him just an absolute prick you can make him quite kind it's like it's it's i think it, i think he's probably one of the best characters in gaming because he is a character that's already designed but you can put your own personal spin on it can't you yeah and uh, that, that's that's definitely a good way to describe it like it, it's 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 cool it, it's like it, here's this well-written character but you can put your slant on it, and and that that's what I liked, you know. My my girl personally was a, a very morale morale guy, you know. He uh, did everything right, you know. <laughs> but uh, but like you said, you you could could be a bit a bit of an ass about things if if you wanted to, and that that's it's cool that that you have that option with a, a pre written character. But I mean, it, and it, it's not not just not to knock the the other characters. I mean, just, you know the I, I think uh, in in a world where I think the female characters are often put under a, a microscope, uh, Siri, um, Trist, and um, Yen, Yennefer. Yeah, the three of them are like such strong female characters, and and you know they're they're, they're Inner, they're so interesting, and they're they're all foils in their own way to to Geralt's character, and um, but but with that they still stand on their own. You know, I think it'd be cool if the next Witcher game, if like Siri was the main character, like because obviously she's playable in parts, so it'd be pretty cool to see what they did with that. Like, but um, yeah, like I I can't say enough good things about the the Witcher's storytelling and the the open world and the. The, even the thought that's put into like the simplest of side quests, like it's 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 crazy how how deep that game is. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, this is what really announced CD Projekt Red as one of the best um, game developers um, in Obviously, we saw it at E3 with uh, Cyberpunk getting that getting that first trailer. I mean, playing The Witcher. If I hadn't played The Witcher three, I'd probably look. Oh, okay, okay, it's like uh, it's just going to be some uh, Blade Runner type thing. But now that I know that's what CD Projekt Red are capable of in in a setting that is futuristic and a bit steampunk or whatever. No, not steampunk. Is word, wrong word, but a bit futuristic setting. It's like. I want to know. I I need this game injected into my veins. <laughs> so just the fact that I, I now trust them as a developer. I mean, you've got a customer for life there. I mean, they could probably similarly with Rockstar. If they released a ping pong game tomorrow, I'd probably go buy it. <laughs> um, but speaking of Rockstar, number four is Red Dead Redemption. Um. I w- I'll probably do an honourable mentions, but GTA would have been there, but I've tried to keep it, like, one to... Uh, not not Rockstar. I could have put more Rockstars in, but one per franchise kind of thing. But Red Dead Redemption needed needed to be on my list because it, it's such a special game. Um, John Marston. I mean, this list, my list, full of full of great characters, but John Marston's probably the best... Probably the best character in in gaming for me. I mean, it's definitely out of him and Master Chief and uh, someone else I'll come on to. Um, but yeah, John Marston was just absolutely brilliant. And open world cowboy games. I mean, that, when I was younger, yeah, I played Gun, I played Red Dead Revolver. But when Red Dead Redemption came out, I did pre-ordered it, special edition, everything. Skipped the P. Um, revision class for school for my GCSE to go play this game um, ended up getting a DNP <laughs> um, <laughs> but fuck that I played Red Dead Redemption before all my other mates so fuck them <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it's such a brilliant game it's open world it, it was it was cowboy GTA but with such a more powerful story than other GTA games I mean some of GTA games have good stories but Red Dead Redemption so emotional, and eventually playing as um, Jack, I think his son was, and getting that revenge mission. I thought Jack was a bit of a whingy bitch, but again, just such an emotional story. And even even the zombie DLC was fucking brilliant. It was. It's hard to do. I mean, I think we've talked in previous pods about zombies getting stale, but that's probably the best zombie game ever, and it's only a DLC. Um, but RDR for you. Um, your thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, I think we, we touched on it previously when we were talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. And I mean, I, I picked this game up, um, I think it was a couple of weeks after it came out and I bought that and another game at the same time. And I can't even remember what the other <laughs> game was, which, which will kind of, um, tell you how much I loved Red Dead. I mean, I, I remember I was desperately trying to get it finished because I was going away 
for like a week and I was even like, you know, I was, I was like, I'd almost rather just stay at home and play this game. It's so good. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about like Red Dead. I, I've always enjoyed Grand Theft Auto and, you know, I'd always kind of be pick up a Grand Theft Auto at lunch and play it religiously till I finished it. But, but Red Dead possibly surpassed, um, GTA because it was, it, it was uh, a Western setting. It was funny you mentioned Gone, and that was kind of my first experience with a, a game set in the Wild West. And, you know, g- growing up, I remember, like, my my dad and, and my granddad both really liked Westerns, and that's something I could kind of share with them. I liked watching a Western. Mm. So getting to play a Western video game was, was just so cool. So it started with Gone, and then I never really got around to Red Dead Revolver, but then when Red Dead Redemption came out, I was just like, this is another level. And I, I couldn't be more excited for, for Red Dead Redemption too. Like, so, um, it, it just can't come any sooner, but it, it's just, it's such a brilliant game and it, it's, it's quite possibly, I, I think it's better than Grand Theft Auto 5. I know a lot of people won't agree yeah, with that, absolutely. but. I do prefer it, at least in terms of single player. Anyway, I, I think mm. it's a better game. Yeah, GTA Five Online is just a completely different animal. But story wise, it story wise, Red Dead Redemption is the best Rockstar's ever done in terms of single player story. So yeah. Um, but before I go into my top three, I'm going to do some special mentions. Uh, GTA Five, I'm going to have to put that in. It was, I think San Andreas is really good, but GTA Five Online is just an absolute other monster nowadays. Um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, I'm going to have to mention that because Assassin's Creed is such a big franchise and Black Flag saved that franchise for me, so I'm going to have to mention that. Um, Ark Survival Evolved, it's not the best game, but I have put too many hours in that game to not be mentioned. Um, Destiny 1, similarly to Ark, not the best game, but so many hours got to mention it. And I'm going to have to pick one out of the COD franchise, and it was between... The f- it was between 4, 5 and 6 and I've gone with 5 because the World War 2 setting the fact I was actually quite good at it <laughs> helped as well but it, it, it just seems it just seemed better I mean I think I preferred the World War 2 games and that's why the new one such a disappointment for me because it's a bit shit compared to 5 and I went back and played 5 on backwards compatibility and it still holds up and it's probably still um the best cod for me it's just an absolute brilliant one but that that's my special mention there so i'm going to do my top three um oh god this order is going to kill me but number i've got it number three at the minute but this may change at any point so i'm going to go with it mass effect 2 number three it, it's a debate between two and three for some i think three had probably a bit more better combat but in terms of the story i think number two it was so perfect in everything. I mean, three had some huge moments in it, but the ending was so so disappointing for what it was. But two possibly had the best mission in gaming in terms of that suicide mission to finish the game. Um, it's such a special franchise. I mean, one's not everyone's cup of tea, and it's probably aged really badly. But one was one was bloody brilliant. Two was perfect. Three was near per. Three was near best game ever. If it just didn't have that ending, um, but I've gone for two because it just had. It just it was just bloody perfect. And um, 
I've talked about great characters throughout this game, and Commander Shepard is is similarly to Geralt. He's obviously a set character, but you just put your own um, twist on it. And what, what, what is it? The Paragon and I'm going to call it Bastard. <laughs> Bastard. Renegade. Renegade. That's it. Renegade. So the Paragon and Renegade system. It it was just so good. It was so good. And Mass Effect Two is. I kind of want to go play it now. <laughs> <laughs> so what you play? You must have played Mass Effect. Yeah, I mean Mass Effect um, Two is actually the first Mass Effect I really played. I mean, I remember a friend of mine was spending Christmas with me, and he got Mass Effect Four Christmas, um, and he put it in, and I watched him play it for a little bit, but. To be honest, at the time, I was really addicted to, to Bioshock. So I was kind of like, yeah, that's okay, but I just want to play more Bioshock. But uh, I remember Mass Effect 2, a friend of mine got it and finished it, and he brought it over to my house, and he was like, you have to borrow this game. And I was like, all right. And I, I put it in and started playing, and I was like, wow. It just it just reminded me of like the years I'd watched Star Trek and stuff yeah. as a kid, and it's like all these aliens, and I wanted to know the lore about all these different races, and it was crazy. Like it was, it was a world upon itself. And like I finished Mass Effect two, I think definitely twice, but possibly three times in a row, like without playing a different game. Like I just, I was that hooked on it, and like of course, then by playing that. That made me say, oh, I want to play Mass Effect 1. So I went and bought like a pre-owned copy of Mass Effect 1 and played that. And then, of course, I picked up 3 when it came out. I mean, it's just that that trilogy, it's, it's just an excellent trilogy. And I'd probably agree with your point that of kind of ranking them. But, you know, I think 1 had the great ideas, but they didn't quite come to fruition until 2. And uh, 3 probably further polished things but just you have to take away some points for the ending so i think yeah you're 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 probably well you you are definitely right with with your thing on too and i'd agree that the whole suicide mission and knowing the whole game virtually that you're gearing up to what's called a suicide mission i mean (laughs) that's unheard of in 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 games like so yeah i i think mass effect 2 is is an excellent pick to, to be in, in, in someone's top three games. Like, so I, I, uh, I, I agree with that one. It was the fact that choices went over to different games as well. Like, if you picked Ashley or the other bloke that nobody picked to survive. <laughs> um, um, or if you kept the Corbins alive. Caden. God. Poor bloke. <laughs> um, yeah, if you kept the Krogan alive and stuff like that, um, I mean, if if anyone went into free and Rex wasn't the the king of that place, I mean, you're a dickhead. Um, <laughs> gotta gotta say, doctor say it. If you didn't, if you if Rex wasn't one of your be, one of your lads, you you're a bit of a dick. Um, but no, it, it just Mass Effect as a franchise. I know Andromeda wasn't the best, but I still I still enjoyed it. it just wasn't Mass Effect. Um, it it you'd never. I've never cared about uh, accompanying characters so much than Mass Effect, and it's just just bloody brilliant how it does that. It's just a it's an imaginary character, and you sat there like trying to. The first time I did the suicide missions, I got most of them killed, and I was like, "Not doing the whole game again. Not doing that again. Never." <laughs> 
so yeah, I made sure all of them survived, and then three, um, they were obviously still there. But um, top two time, God, it's going to be some special games to beat Mass Effect 2. But Arkham City, for me, people may rank this quite lowly in the in the in the trilogy. I'm not counting. I'm not counting the Warner Bros. one. These are just rock steady ones. Um, but uh, Arkham Asylum was brilliant. Um, Arkham Knight. <laughs> I can't even remember the third one. It, I just didn't. It just didn't feel the same game to me. They kind of focused on the Batmobile a bit too much. And I'll have to mention it. Arkham Origins was a shite. Um, but Arkham City for me was just absolutely perfect. Um, had the open world. It had all the characters that you know from the, from the DC or the, the Batman universe. Um, and it it was quite a long game. I'm not sure how many hours it probably took, but it took a, a good few hours to complete and stuff like that. And I literally did this game in one night like i've already i probably finished it like three times but i went to my mate's house he loaded up fm and i was like oh i don't know what to play and he said i'll just do arkham city so i just loaded up arkham city and next next morning oh i finished arkham city <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just it's similarly to mass effect 2 it was just perfect for me and i loved it and every every boss fight seemed unique and stuff like that, and it just it's probably it's probably one of the reasons Batman's probably my favorite superhero, and you got oh, kind of got to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stuff like that. No no character for me in the MCU is Batman, um, and Spider Man's obviously got his video games and stuff like that, but Batman's got. He's got every bit of media down to a T, and uh, maybe Spider-Man can regain it with a new game coming out. But the Arkham trilogy is uh, it—it's one of the best out there, and probably only topped by Mass Effect in terms of a trilogy. But Arkham City is such a special game for me, and I—I I could play it endlessly, and I might actually do that because I've got it on uh, Xbox One as well. Um, but I do need to finish Arkham Asylum. But the Arkham trilogy—is it something you've played? Yeah, I mean, I I started out with um, I was a little late to the party with Arkham Asylum. I, th- I think I got it about a, a year after it came out. I got I picked up the the classics version, but I mean, I, I got Arkham City shortly after launch. Uh, finished that, and I got uh, I even enjoyed Arkham Origins, which I know gets a bit of stick, but you know, I I enjoyed it for what it was. It was definitely the weakest game in the series, but. Like, it had its moments, and then, and then, of course, Arkham Knight finished it all off, and, I mean, it, it is, as you say, it's, it's, so far, it's the, the pinnacle of, of superhero games, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe, Spy- we'll see what Spider-Man has to say about that in September, but, for now, for, for anyone who, who is, like, a, into their superheroes, you know, if you want to play a game, you, you can't really, do much you can't do any better than than arkham city or or arkham knight really so um i i can certainly see why why it's in your 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 top 10 i mean the the gameplay that i mean be that either the traversing the city or the combat and then the the storytelling uh specifically probably in arkham city like it's just it's it's amazing like the the the, the idea that the like, criminals could take over the section of a city and that the only person that can stop them, of course, is Batman. Like it's, 
it's just it's a great concept and I mean I I I love that game too like so I I think it's definitely a fitting inclusion in as number two on your well I can't say that exactly because I don't know what number <laughs> one is but um no it's it's a brilliant game yeah I think what made it special for me because we have we've seen very we've seen loads of different depictions of Batman and and Joker especially but Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy they are Batman and Joker to me. I mean, um, Heath Ledger was obviously brilliant uh, in The Dark Knight, but Mark Hamill, oh, Jesus Christ, he, he's just the perfect levels of mental, and his voice is just perfect for the Joker. And Kevin Conroy, blunt voice is just, it's just perfect for Batman. So I think this trilogy is just, it's just perfect for me. And and having good voice actors, it, it just makes the world a difference, doesn't it? Um but number one time, Carl. I mean, do you want to have a quick? Do you want to have a guess what it is? I mean, I was surprised when Assassin's Creed popped up in your honourable mentions. I, I thought that would definitely get a, a spot in in your top ten. It wasn't um, until Neil mentioned Pokemon. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. I mean, obviously, been an Xbox gamer. You know, you you jump to like Gears, but we've had that Halo. We've had that. Um, I call it duty, but we've had that. Ah, is it a battlefield game? It is not a battlefield game. It yeah. is an RPG. Ah, it is made by one of our favourite developers, both me and you. Has two big franchises. One's coming out later this year, but it's not that half of it. It's Bethesda. Ah. It is Oblivion. I, I should have thought of that with Xbox. I, yeah. I know that game was on PlayStation, but it was it, it ran so terribly on PlayStation that mm. it is kind of synonymous with Xbox. It it was the first game that attracted me to the RPG type thing, and I I, I had played Morrowind on the, on the PC actually. Oh no, on 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 the original Xbox, but I never. I was probably a bit too young to uh, appreciate it. And then Oblivion came along. Uh, I think I got it for Christmas. I think it was one of the games I got with my 360. And I, I, I gave it a bash and stuff like that. And I, it wasn't my cup of tea at first. And eventually I, I, I got bored of the game I was playing. And Oblivion, I put that back in. And I got out of the tutorial area. And it was just so open. So beautiful, well, beautiful at that time. If you went back now, you'd probably like be like, "What the fuck are you going on about?" <laughs> but back then, it was so bright, it was so open, it was just everything. And it's not, it's not the main storyline. I mean, Sean Bean was there and stuff like that, but he wasn't, he wasn't a bit, he wasn't the biggest part of the story. But um, just the Dark Brotherhood missions, the Fight Guild missions, the Mages Guild missions. I think that's where that's where i think oblivion had skyrim it just it, the little things seem to be a bit better on oblivion for me and i mean people may be pulling the hair out me saying oblivion's better than skyrim but there's a certain dark brotherhood mission where you get you're going to get locked in the house and the per, the person who lasts there the longest was meant to win money but you're obviously there to murder everyone and you get bonus money if people don't figure out it's you and it was just like this is one of the funnest missions i've ever played it for me, it was just the pinnacle of gaming. It was so much freedom in a game. I've ne- I never experienced that before. Um, before that, and it was so easy to play. And obviously, you could put up 
the difficulty and stuff like that. But I just, I just really loved it, and it it, it brought the ease of ease of playing it with the beautiful storytelling and of the, your own personal character, which is the Bethesda way and stuff like that. But I just, I, it was just everything for me. Yeah, I mean that that's 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 a pretty um telling kind of description of why it is is your number one game. So I think even if someone didn't like the game after hearing that, they're probably going to be like, "Well, I can see why he has it as his <laughs> number one." I mean, yeah, no, I I I'm I'm with you on that. Like it it was, I mean, it it was my first kind of foray into that that first person RPG. Well, not exactly, but. But close to my my first foray because you know that that genre had almost been like kind of a PC thing and I was always a console mm. gamer. I was more used to playing kind of third person RPGs, mostly of the Japanese style. Um, but like Oblivion, I remember like when I first got my Xbox. Like as I said, I got it with Gears of War and Pro Evo and I think a Call of Duty title. But when I kind of well, I wouldn't say the addiction to those games ran off because they never really did with Gears of War. But uh, when I, I kind of wanted something else to play, and I remember I was in a clan at the time, and we were like, "Oh, what 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 games should I get?" And people were like, "Oblivion." I was like, "Yeah, but that's not a multiplayer game." And they're like, "So you have to play Oblivion." So <laughs> like, I, I picked up Oblivion, and I was like, "This this just crazy." I like created my Argonian character, and Same. I just Argonian's rule. Yeah, that's that's it. And um the like you you just uh going around the world and as you say, like you can just decide what kind of person you want to be and, and the Dark Brotherhood and probably had the best line the best Dark Brotherhood line of quests that I've experienced probably were in Oblivion. Yeah. And I mean the the, the game was just like the the funny thing is like the story in the game's not so bad but you, you don't even really care about that because mm. There's so many other quest lines and just just general exploration, like just going in some random dungeon and finding this really cool character and being like, there's nothing telling me to go here, but yet here I am. Like, and I, what if I'd never found this? Like, I, I just think it's it's that that sense of discovery that that kind of was so new to me with with Oblivion. Like, it's funny, same you said, you you played Morrowind, I played Morrowind on the original Xbox as well, but I think Morrowind just, especially when you're a little younger, like, it, it has such a, a difficulty. Daunting. It was daunting, wasn't it? It was like, it's so hard. what's going on. Exactly, yeah, like, so my experience with that, at least originally, was, was only kind of messing around, but, but uh, Oblivion was a, a totally new experience, and uh, I, I kind of led me down kind of the rabbit hole with with um kind of those sort of games so um like yeah i can i can it it really is a worthy uh number one um it's it's one of those games you couldn't argue with you know there, there's certain certain games where you'd be like how can that be someone's favorite game yeah. <laughs> but, but but oblivion you know whether it's your favorite or not you know you 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 think it's a worthy Hmm. Inclusion. I've, if they remastered Oblivion, I would literally just live in that world. <laughs> uh, but they're never gonna do it because the bastards. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, that, that's my top ten. If um, 
if any of the listeners want to give in their top 10, I mean, we've had a couple uh, in our WhatsApp group, but if listeners, if you want to post your top 10, just feel free to uh, send it to the show, which is at one up underscore AI. It'll obviously be sent in through, um, this, this will obviously be linked via the Twitter and stuff like that, on my personal one, which is at Guy Drinkle. Um, Carl, do you want to give out your Twitter before we finish up? This has gone a bit longer than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, it's um, at KMACDW for all the um, kind of thoughts on gaming and, and other nerdy stuff. And then through that, you can find my, my other Twitter. Good stuff. And uh, next week, we'll we'll be back with your top 10, Carl. And no spoilers, but is it going to be an epic one? Better be impressive. I... I hope so. I, I think I think you know there, there there could be a couple parallels with your own list, but Ooh. I think think there's enough kind of uniqueness to it as well that that it's uh it'll be certainly worth uh listening in on. Just just it, it'll give you a better idea of kind of what what I'm I'm interested in when it when it comes to games and genres and the like. Good stuff, good stuff. But uh, we'll be back next week with Carl's top ten and with news and. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll probably talk about some of the games that are coming out if we do have time. I think the only ones that came out uh, recently is Crash Bandicoot on Xbox and Switch, and The Crew 2 came out yesterday, I think it is, which was the 29th. But um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.